I was at a pastor's meeting this week, and there's a pastor in our group that's a little bit younger um, as far as serving uh, as pastor. Let me get over here a little bit closer. There we go. It's more of the lights, and I want to be next to you, Ryan. No, just kidding. But he asked the question of his congregation. He said, what did I preach on last week? And us that have been pastoring for a while, we know we don't ask that question because a lot of people don't remember what took place last week. They don't remember what happened. And somewhat, sometimes even us pastors don't remember what we preached on last week. But hopefully you remember at least a concept. And maybe last week God did speak to you. Remember we talked about God hearing, uh, you hearing from God and what we need to do, interaction between to that. And so interestingly enough though, this series kind of has the same interaction between a prophet and God and there's some listening problems, although I think he hears very clearly, but the next step is obeying. And again, we're going to get into that, but if you have your Bibles, I'm going to tell you a fish story this morning in somewhat regards. We're going to the book of Jonah. We're going to be there for the next four weeks. Huh? Yeah, Renee likes that. Renee, maybe you ought to take up fishing because your hunting's not doing quite so well. <laughs> She's been promising me a turkey, and I'm, yeah, I'm not seeing it yet, so... I did give her a hint this morning. I told her she needs to go into the woods, so <laughs> that would help her a little bit. But it's not really about the fish, but we're going we're gonna to talk about it in, in that regard. But Jonah is one of those interesting books, and again, if you're looking through your Bible, it's kind of tucked in among the prophets there, Obadiah and some of those other ones. But you know what? Just, just look in the table of contents. It's easier just to get there, because it's, it's not a very big book. It's only four chapters, and it's kind of tucked in there, but it's a very unique book. And Jonah is, is one that's actually contested. A lot of them say it's not a true historical account. They debate the fish and what it was. Was it possible? Is it really three days? Was it, you know what? If God's word says it, it's true. I don't know why that's so hard for some folks, but I'm a simple guy, right? God's word says it's, it's true. And you know what else is unique? Is Jesus in his ministry actually refers back to Jonah. It's kind of unusual because he didn't refer back a lot to the Old Testament. But when he did, especially to the Pharisees, Jonah was one of those. And again, he was referring to his death and burial and resurrection because of the three days. But he refers back to Jonah. So that's a little bit of the background. We'll get a little bit more each week. Um, I don't want to bog you down with with that part because I really want to get into the story because the story is exciting about Jonah. But it's between Jonah and God. Just keep that in mind. That's the main character. That's the one to focus on. There's some other characters along the way, uh, including a fish. But focus on their relationship, because that's really what comes out here. Verse 1 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amak, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. I heard, I heard someone speaking. Your phone. All right, that's good. I, I thought maybe something was in my, my ear or something. Keep me straight. No, it's, it's all good. It's all good. So God speaks to Jonah, right? And again, we talked a little bit about last week about how God does that in different ways. And so Jonah hears from the Lord. And most of the prophets, that's the way that the Lord spoke. But he said something unique to Jonah that he doesn't say to any other prophet. He says, go to Nineveh. Nineveh is not Israel, of all the other, Nineveh is, is, is Gentiles. This is uh, the opposite of all the other prophets are to go to Israel and, and preach against them, but he's sending him out, Brent, like a missionary, right? He's, he's going to a, a foreign land, and guess what? Jonah doesn't want to go. And again, if you knew the Ninevites, you wouldn't want to go either. 
really. The Ninevites were pretty tough people. In fact, they were downright rotten. They were the terrorists of the time, long before terrorism was even a word. They were a group of people who thrived on fear. You know, they, they had some military might. Nineveh is a pretty stronghold city. In fact, their walls were 100 feet high, 50 feet wide, right? And, and went around seven miles, 15 gates. I don't know why the 15 gates, they, they give us that detail in, in history class, but there's 15 gates go in and out of the city, probably because it's so large and you're coming from different directions. An estimated time around 600,000 people were in that area. Only about 120 are within those walls. Well, I said is they were terrorists because what they would do on those gates is they would put human bones of some of the people they would conquer up on those gates as a reminder of how brutal they could be. Like I said, they did some terrible things to people. They, they knew how to torture people. So Jonah understandably says, I'm not so sure, God, I want to go. to No, he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. They're the last people he wants to go to. But God says, this is who I want you to go, and I want you to preach against it. Again, because of wickedness, because they were so evil. So just a quick reference. Do you think God cares about wicked people? Here, I mean, that's a clear indication. And guess what? God's always cared about all people. Yeah, some of you were like hesitant answering that question. I was, I mean, it's a tough, but tough morning. No. All right. Verse three. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. All right. Just get a picture here. Say Tarshish. I mean, say Nineveh is this direction, right? We'll go this way. I'm not pointing at you. You are not Nineveh. But say Nineveh is this way, right? He literally goes totally the opposite direction. I mean, he goes as far away from there as he possibly can. Again, in fact, he's running from there. And he not only probably even stops here, he goes out the door and keeps on walking. I almost thought about going out there, but I know that door locks. And so, uh, and some of you might not let me back in. <laughs> But he goes totally in the opposite direction. I mean, he didn't just hear from God and say, all right, I'm, I'm not going to pay attention. I'm not going to do it, Lord. He literally runs the opposite direction. Again, he's in his mind thinks that he can get away from God, or at least I don't even want to think about it. I'm just going to get totally out there. I'm leaving everything, and I'm headed on a ship. And again, he doesn't really have a destination. He's just getting away from God as fast as he can. You say, well, that's pretty extreme, right? God's called him, and he's saying, I'm, I'm headed in the, the wrong direction. I don't want nothing to do with it. But many times in our own lives, and some application will come to this as well, we may not go totally in the 180-degree direction, but we may be not doing exactly what God says. Again, that's part of my message title this morning, is what direction are you heading in? Because, right, we can be off just a little bit, and guess what? It's the wrong direction doesn't have to be much. Ryan, you do surveying, right? If you're off by a degree, right? And that's, how much is a degree when you... Exactly. The further you go off track, the farther you get away from your original point. So, see, I, I do need you, Ryan. I <laughs> but it's so true, right? If you're off one degree and you go long enough, you, you're in totally opposite direction. And so, 
He's running off direction as well. And Jonah certainly at this point is way off direction. He's running from the Lord. But even as we sung this morning, God will still chase after us if he wants us. And um, I'm glad to hear that Dave only has 300 in his. I, that was like one year's worth in mine. So um, he continued gives us chances. So, Verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship was threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and they cried out to each of their own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea just to lighten up the ship. Again, these are sailors, right? They, this, they've done this before. This is their livelihood. They know what they're doing. And yet, this storm is obviously special, or it's up a couple of degrees from their norm. Because guess what? They're at this point where it's my life or this cargo, right? And to throw the cargo off was, was a pretty serious thing because that's not only their livelihood, but in that day, you had to pay it back. I mean, that, they took responsibility for it, so it was going to cost them probably their career and possibly even their freedom in order to pay all that back. So for a sailor to do that, they've got to be at the end of the rope. And again, God has controlled this whole situation, and he's put this fear in them through controlling the seas. That's another thing that people disagree about. Does God control the weather or not? On a day like today, we can say, yeah, praise God, right? It's a beautiful day. When it's raining and cold, it's a little bit harder, right? But does God control the weather? Certainly. Especially for his purposes and when he's chastening after someone. And here, this is the case, he's orchestrated this scenario, and these sailors are caught in the middle. And again, they're at this point of desperation that they're throwing their stuff off the side. I always, this verse always baffles me. But it says, but Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down, and he fell asleep into a deep sleep. It baffles me because, again, I don't know, in a rough ship, um, and I know in my own personal life even, when I'm out of sorts with God or not quite feeling right in the right relationship, my sleep is usually the first thing that's disrupted. And yet, Jonah is in the bottom of the ship sleeping soundly. Does that baffle you? I mean, it kind of baffles me. And again, if you have a great answer, I, I don't really have one. It just always kind of puzzled me when I stopped a couple times this week and said, why would he do that? Why would he be able to even sleep? I mean, even a, a gentle rock, that, that could put you to sleep. But again, a, a violent storm to that point and all the noise that was going on above him, you know, the sailors throwing the stuff off, they're undoubtedly yelling at each other, screaming. If you've ever been on a, a boat with multiple people, it, it's a busy place. It's not a cruise ship. This is a, a smaller vessel that's going out. But Jonah lays fast asleep. Now maybe, just maybe, and again, this is just an opinion of mine, maybe because he had set in his mind so hard that he was not going to obey God, he just didn't care. And he, he was at peace with sleeping. But again, in my own life, I've never been able to do that. So if you have a good answer for that, let me know this week because I'm still at a loss of that one. But anyways, they, they, they go and find him, right? The captain here goes and finds Jonah. He asks the same question. How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Again, don't think for a minute that this captain has great faith in, or anything like that, or even the sailors at this point. Most likely they were pantheists and they had multiple gods and the more gods the better. Right? And so they were at that point of desperation. They'll, they'll grab a hold of any quote-unquote God they can find to help them. 
But the captain's even at the point, hey, where's your God? Maybe you can be the one that helps us. Although he still doesn't know why he's sleeping, and neither do I. So we've already proven that point this morning. Next verse. And then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? You can imagine, they just peppered him with questions here, right? They want to know what's going on. They've already identified that maybe he's the source of the problem, is really what they've come to. Interestingly, they, they cast lots. And again, we, we kind of have a hard time with that, you know, just throwing some pieces of wood down or stones and it comes up and it's like, kind of like rolling dice, right? But in that time, casting lots was a very serious thing and they put a lot of value on that. In fact, that's all themselves, the Old Testament history and even into the New Testament. That's how they chose the other disciple. The apostles themselves actually casted lots and that's how they ended up with Matthias. So again, it was a practice. It was a normal practice of that day. And even here, it falls on Jonah. Again, not by chance, because God wants to use Jonah, but Jonah's just not quite there yet, I don't believe. So again, they're asking these questions. They want to know who Jonah is. They want to know why he's there, and is there any solution to their problem? And Jonah willingly answers them in verse 10, uh, verse 9, I mean. He says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, and who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? I love it. That's a great question, right? You that have kids, you understand that, right? Kids do something, you say, what have you done, or why did you do that? How's the response on that usually? I don't know, or blame shift really quick, right? We usually, hey, he made me do it, especially if you have a brother. Sisters, you guys don't do that, right? Just the brothers, right? We blame shift, but we don't like to answer that question. Kids don't like to answer it, but even as adults... We don't like to answer that question. And again, we kind of get stuck in that a little bit. But he identifies who he is. He says, I'm a Hebrew. I, I worship the one true God, which makes it kind of interesting reaching out. And, and in some ways, the more spiritual ones are the sailors and the captain. They're the ones that are reaching out. And meanwhile, Jonah's been sleeping, just laying on the bottom of the boat there. And God doesn't leave him there. Right? It's just not a matter of the questioning, not a matter of the, the sea. It actually gets even rougher and rougher. You don't know how hard that is for me to say. There are like four R's in those two words. Whew. Rougher and rougher. PJ, could you say that? No, I'm not going to do that to PJ. I love my wife. So. And remember, us maniacs, we move ours around. Sometimes we drop them off. And, um, but rougher and rougher. And if my English was... Yeah, I won't even go there. More rougher. So it just gets, it gets bad. The sea gets really bad. And it goes up a notch. And so he says, what should we do? The sailors asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down? And Jonah throws this one out. He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Right? Now, in some ways, you could say, hey, Jonah's manning up here and he's going to be a sacrifice. 
I don't think that's really the case. I think Jonah's just at the point where, hey, I'm not going to obey God. I don't want to go to Nineveh. And so you know what? Just throw me overboard. I I just want to die anyways. And I'm sure this thought's already crossed his mind, right? Because again, he took off for Tarshish without any plan. He's just running away from God. He, He doesn't really care about those folks. He doesn't even care about obeying God. He's saying, just throw me overboard. Now that's a solution. I'm not sure that I would prescribe that. And if that's your thought and you want to do that, then I don't want to go boating with you uh, this weekend at all. So. <laughs> because if it gets rough tomorrow, I may be the one that gets thrown overboard. Um, that doesn't usually work. That, that would not work in those cases. But again, this is a spiritual problem as much as it is a physical problem. And that's really what's going on here. So instead... This always amazes me as well. This next verse, verse 13. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea was growing even wilder than before. Right? So they tried. They said, hey, you know what? That's not a good solution. We're not going to throw you overboard. That doesn't make sense. You know what? We're going to just try a little bit harder. We're going to put more effort into it. Now, again, some application there, because sometimes we fall into that same trap, right? We get out of sorts with God, we get headed in the wrong direction, and we usually try to do it. And instead of just repenting and going back, what do we usually, don't we usually try to do a little bit better in our own strength? You know, I do, right? I'll just try a little bit harder, or I'll, maybe I'll, I'll go to church a little bit more, maybe I'll read a little bit more this week, I just try it in my own effort, right? can't fault them for this, but again, it's not what God requires. It's not what God's looking for in this whole situation. He's looking for obedience. He's looking for the heart. Again, there's always application in, in God's Word, and especially even through this here, there's a lot of application in Jonah's life. And again, before we judge Jonah too hard, and most likely there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. And again, I could probably name some people groups, and you might pause for a moment or struggle. Or maybe you think of someone that in your life that you struggle to even go speak with or be with. Someone that you've had an out with or someone that's wronged you. So be careful because, like I said, I think we all have a little Jonah in us. Want to hear the rest of the story? Okay. I wasn't going to leave you hanging or you could read it yourself. That's that's always the other part of this. Um, Come back next. That's chapter two will probably be next week. So, yes, you don't want to miss that. That's a ploy that we use against you guests, just so you know. We do series so that we try to get you to come back again because you don't want to miss what happens next. Uh, so again, they're rowing harder. They're working harder, harder to, to get to shore. And then they cried out to the Lord, Oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord... Have done as you please. Yeah, this is an amazing part of this story, right? They've, they've tried everything. They've done the best they can. They found out the reason. And yet they've come to the end and said, you know what? This is a spiritual problem. Yes, Lord, please, please don't hold this against us, but we're going to throw this man overboard. And again, they, they wrestled with this, and it's interesting that their, their hearts are kind of changing here. They don't want to be responsible. They, they recognize that, hey, this is desperate times, and this is a desperate, mes- mes- uh, this is a desperate measure. No R's in that, and I still had trouble. Um, 
But again, they know it's going to cost him his life. So they're at that point, their point of desperation. But again, they do what Jonah had asked them to do. He says they took Jonah, they threw him overboard, and the sea stopped because it was calm. Now, I've been on the water many times, and I've had wind come up, and, and I've had, you know, thunderstorms come up. It's gradual. Nothing happens immediately, right? Usually it builds a little bit. It's gradual. And then, but even on the backside of that, it takes a while. And again, if you don't think wind, try to go out and stop the wind from blowing. That'd be a fun thing to do, right? Try to put your hand up and hold the wind back. No, it doesn't work. But again, because God is working through this and through this circumstance and he's in control of all things, he calms the sea. Look what happens to the men here at this point. Men greatly feared the Lord. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Complete turnaround. 180 degrees. Now again, we don't know what happens to these men. We don't know how faithful they become. We don't know anything more about them. We don't hear anything about them in Scripture. So I don't want to take that out too far, but at this point, they are more obedient and probably we would say more spiritual than Jonah is at this point, which is ironic um, in the circumstance and the situation that they found themselves in. And they don't have a lot of teaching, they don't have a lot of background, but they've just witnessed something amazing. And they said, you know what? That's, that's the Lord. That's somebody that I could follow. And so they made vows to him. So again, they took it seriously. Told you there's a fish in this story. Verse 17. But the Lord provided a great fish, Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Again, it's a precursor of what's to come, right? Jesus uses Jonah as that example. Three days in the grave. And three is important um, in many ways. In the Jewish culture, it was important. Um, It signified certain death. Because again, sometimes... People would be lying down unconscious or whatever, and they would wait a period of time. And sometimes, you kind of weren't officially dead until three days later. So again, three days was a long time. You were, if you didn't move after three days, you were, you were dead. And that was pretty much the summation of that. But again, it's a period of time. It wasn't like he was faking it or something like that. And again, scholars even disagree, like, well, it's just maybe uh, three days, three nights, maybe, but maybe it was a shorter amount of time, and they just put that in the scriptures. Again, God's word is God's word, and it's truth. And again, it was certainly that. And scientists are trying to figure out what kind of fish that a man could have. Don't waste your time on that. Just take it as truth. But like I said, Jonah, there could be a little bit of Jonah in us this morning. Maybe you've heard from God. Maybe God's told you to do something. Maybe God's told you to go on the mission trip. Maybe God's told you to, to go to that person you've had a falling out with. Maybe God says you need to step up in whatever area it is. Maybe I just need to get back to doing my quiet times. Maybe I need to pray more. Just a, We call it a little thing, off by a degree. But just like Jonah, don't wait to that point of desperation. All we got to do is ask. Ask for forgiveness and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? What direction do you want me to go in? And he will answer. I'm confident of that. So may that be your prayer. And maybe this week, spend some time marinating on that a little bit and thinking about God's word. Bow with me, please. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the examples that you give us in Scripture. We thank you for the people that you use to speak to our own hearts, Lord, and to show us. And Lord, if there is something in us this morning that we know we should be doing and we're not doing. Lord, uh, as foolish as we know it is to run from you, that we've been running from you. Lord, may we repent. May we go back to, to you where you do forgive us and, and set things straight and that we head in that direction again. Lord, continue to do that work in our lives that we stay close to you and that we do only the things that you've called us to do. Nothing more and nothing less. Lord, we do ask that you would just um, be with us, continue to use us, continue to chase after us. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.